This morning, we continue with our series on Genesis. And we're studying the life of Isaac. We have finished studying the life of Abraham. And when he died, it was his son Isaac that we're now studying. Last week, I shared with you a message entitled, Make it a Habit to Respond in Faith. Make it a habit to respond in faith. Now, we also share with you the difference between a reaction and a response. To react is involuntary. It's unconscious. It is caused by stimulus. S-A-L-E. Oh, yun, si Tessa alam. S-A-L-E, stimulus. You don't need anything. Sale. Right? That is a reaction. A response is what? A generally a conscious decision, an element of free will and forethought. You evaluate, do I need anything? You go to the grocery, you have a list. When you come back, you have more than what you have on the list and the things that you have on the list, you did not buy. True or not true? True, all right? Now, why do we need to make it a habit? Because a habit is a disposition or condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or frequent repetition of the same act. Once you develop a habit, it is held, it is retained, the effect of custom or frequent repetition. But there are also good habits and there are also bad habits. We will never grow in our spiritual walk if we only remove the bad habits. We have to replace the bad habits with good habits. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Praise God. What are you doing to replace that? Nothing, Pastor. You're creating what? A vacuum. You need to remove the bad habit and replace it with a good habit. Why is habit important? Because as Stephen Covey said, if you sow a thought, you reap an action, you sow an act, you reap a habit, you sow a habit, you reap a character, you sow a character, and you reap a destiny. So it begins with developing habits. All right? Now, we want to remind you, make it a habit of knowing the definition of intentional discipleship. Intentional discipleship is proactively helping the believer grow in Christ-like maturity by modeling and teaching humble obedience to all that God commands. Have you memorized this? Again. When I ask, you know, and even in our small group, when I ask something, they always want to inspect the ceiling. They want to check the paint if it's cheap or what. How about that? Do you agree with this? Anyway, we will make it a habit to know this. You know, this definition is such a blessing. I got an email from our brothers and sisters from CCF Canada. They happened to watch our uh, service on the internet and they saw this. I actually sent them the PowerPoint of the M&Ms of intentional discipleship. So it is practical. It is a working definition. All right? Now, when we do this, we will grow in our spiritual walk. Spiritual maturity is our habitual Christ-like response to stress and problems. How many of you have problems? Wow, I envy of those of you who do not raise your hand. You have no problem. You see, God wants to stretch our faith. And sometimes God allows certain things to happen in our lives because he wants to stretch our faith. He does not want to punish us. The punishment that we deserve, Jesus Christ already carried on the cross. He already carried it on the cross. So how do we respond in faith? If we want to make it a habit of responding in faith, how do we do that? Very simple. We need to pray. Now what does pray mean? 
to pause, to resist the impulse, to ask the Holy Spirit, and to yield to the Holy Spirit's leading. All right? Let's close in prayer. No, just kidding. That's just the review of last week. We continue with the life of Isaac. All right? So let's all stand and read Genesis chapter 26 from beginning from verse 15 all the way down to the end. Let's begin. Now, all the wells... Then Abimelech, and settled there. Then, The herdsmen, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they contended with him. Then, Sitna. He moved away from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he named them Rehoboth. For he said, Then he went up from there to Beersheba. Do not fear. For the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Covenant with Abimelech. The commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you have ate me and have sent me away from you? They, we see plainly. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make us a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have not done you nothing but good, have sent you away in peace. Now you are the blessed of the Lord. Then he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning they arose early and exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Now it came about on the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told them about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beer, the Hittite and Basemat, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that we will make it a habit to read your word. We pray that we will make it a habit to respond to your word in faith. We pray that you will make it a habit for us to respond to the situations around us based on your word. And we pray, Lord God, that you will be with us Speak to us through your word, Lord God. Superintend what I have prepared, that you may be the one that your people will hear this morning. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We commit to you this day, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, our message was make it a habit uh, to respond in faith. Today, our message is entitled Prime Time. Brother Edwin will attest to you that in our search for a bigger venue, we're having difficulty. Why? Because the time that we need is what? Prime time. Okay? Prime time. So, it is an acrostic. Practice responding in meekness every time. So, when you go away this morning, when you go home, remember, message is, Prime time. Practice responding in meekness every time. Now, meekness is from the word meek. In Greek, praus, strength under control. It means tame. When applied to wild animals, it, 
it means or it looks like a stallion. How do you gauge the strength, the power of your car? In horse power, right? Unless and until you put the pedal to the metal, right? The car which has X number of horsepower doesn't move, right? So what you and I need to do is to remember that meekness is restraint. It is being tamed. The horse is wild. But if properly ridden, the driver or the horse rider can either make the horse go slow or go very fast. It is strength under control. All right? Now, meekness is an active and deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen by the individual as only part of a larger picture. We as human beings see only a small picture. God Almighty sees everything. He sees the bigger picture. So when you and I exercise meekness, it is a deliberate action to hold off, to restrain, because we don't yet see the bigger picture. All right? Now, who are able to exercise meekness. Look at what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The King James Version reads it this way. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such thing there is no law so who can exercise meekness if meekness is the fruit of the holy spirit who can exercise meekness ergo only people who have the holy spirit can exercise the fruit of the holy spirit yes if you do not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, can you display its fruit? No. So the most important part of being able to express or show meekness, to practice meekness, to practice responding in meekness every time, is number one, we must have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot say that we can practice meekness because it is the fruit, it is the byproduct, it is the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in a person's life. All right? Now, how did we get to Genesis 26, verse 15? We read about the trouble that Isaac had with the Philistines, with Abimelech. Yes? Now, why did this all come about? Because, of course, there's verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and herds in a great household so that the Philistines envied him. Isaac, in, in chapter 26, verse 1 to 13, we read, There was a famine, and God told Isaac, Don't go to Egypt. Don't trust riches. Don't trust chariots. Stay in the land. Why? I am going to be the one to bless you. So Isaac obeyed God. And when he obeyed God, in the midst of the famine, he planted and he harvested a hundredfold. Why? He obeyed God and God blessed him. And he became rich. And it came to this point that when he was blessed of God, he had a lot. He was blessed. And because of the blessing, what happened? The people envied him. The Philistines envied him. What does that tell us? Now, there are times when you're faithful to God and he blesses you. There are people who around you who are envious of you, 
who will criticize you, who will try to bring you down. In the Philippines, we call that what? Crab mentality. Oh, he is rich. Maybe he knows someone in government. <laughs> why, is it the, why is it the first reaction? Why is it that this person is rich or why is it this person is blessed because he obeys and loves and trusts God? It's easier to criticize, right? Same thing here. When Isaac was blessed, the people, the Philistines, began to envy him. So what happened? Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his fathers, the Philistines stopped by filling them up with earth. Oh. Do you need water? Where is the source of water during their time? The well. What did they do? They covered the well with earth. No more water. When did they do this? Look. When? When Abraham was still alive. Why did why didn't they do it? Uh, why didn't they do it? When Abraham was still alive. Why did they do it when he died? Abraham was blessed of God, right? You don't want to mess around with someone who is blessed by God, right? You don't. Because you know that the Lord is with this person. Right? So when Abraham died, these people got the boldness to cover up these wells. No wonder there's a famine. He st they stopped them by filling them up. Now, then Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. Was Isaac blessed? In the eyes of the Philistines, in the eyes of King Abimelech, what does this blessing to Isaac, what does this mean to him? You're a threat. You're too powerful for us. You better go away. Right? Isa. You're that kind of parenting style. The arithmetic style. Isa. You better go away. You are too powerful for Isa. See, when we are blessed, sometimes people envy us. When we are blessed, sometimes people think we are a threat. Does that happen to you in the office? You are the one, sometimes the only one, who works as unto the Lord and you do an excellent job and your co-workers will go with you. Hey, you're making us look bad. Does that happen to you? You're making us look bad. Why do you report on time? Why do you finish your work before 5 o'clock? You're making us look bad. Man, that's a reality in the workplace. So you will either be envied or you're considered a threat. But you are blessed by God. God is with you. So what happens? And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. What did Isaac do? He avoided a confrontation. Did Isaac have a right to stay where he was? But when King Abimelech said, you're too powerful, you better go away, what did Isaac do? Okay. He left. He avoided the confrontation. He decided to leave and stayed in the valley of Gerar. Now remember, the wells were covered up, right? So what did he do? Verse 18, Then Isaac dug again the wells of the water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the, still, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names in which, which his father had given us. So what did he do? He went back to the wells that his father Abraham dug, which were covered up by the Philistines. He dug them, and gave them the same names as his father Abraham did. Yes? No problem. You don't want me here? Okay, I'll go over here. And then I'll dig the same wells that my father Abraham dug. 
Okay? Is there a problem with that? No problem. I already stepped back. I avoided the confrontation. Right? Okay. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well flowing with water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they contended with him. Who dug the well? Isaac's men. Who discovered the water? Isaac's men. Who's claiming the water? The water is ours. Dalwa. And what did they name that well? Essek. Why did they name it Essek? Because they contended with him. The Philistines claimed what was rightfully Isaac's. That word Essek means dispute. The water is disputed. One is claiming ownership to it. The other one is claiming ownership to it. They call it Essek. You see, in the Bible, names are very uh, important. They mean a lot of things. Essek means dispute. That's why he said, because they contended with him. So what did they do? No problem. They dug another well. Okay, you say that that is your well. I know I dug it. I know my men dug it. I know the water is ours. You're making claim to it? Fine. Step back. A conscious, deliberate decision. Step back. What will you do? We'll dig another well. No problem. They dug another well and they quarreled over it too. So he named it Sitna. How many times now? Go away. Sa. That is our well. Dalwa. Amin din yan. Nakakatatlo ka na. So what shall we call this? Sitna, which means hostility. Alright? How, how many of you are able to count up to 100? You're being provoked. Your parenting style, you see your, your, your child, your boy, your girl. Don't do that. And you still... Okay? Now, what, what is this scenario telling me? Was Isaac obedient to the Lord? Did Isaac listen to King Abimelech? Depart. Did Isaac make a quarrel? With the people who were claiming their water? No. This tells me that obedience does not guarantee the absence of strife. You see, many times we think to ourselves, I'm already obeying. Why is this happening? I'm already obeying. Why are they against me? We have this mindset sometimes that just because we're obeying the Lord, that we are free. That we are exempted from problems. On the contrary, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. So I submit to you that obedience does not guarantee the absence of strife. There will be strife. There will be people who will want to contend with us. And that's why we need to practice responding in meekness every time. How many times already? Get away. That uh, water is ours. Oh, dito kami. Amin din yan. Alright? So what did he do? He moved away from there again and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. Okay? This time, they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last the Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in the land. Rehoboth means broad spaces. It can also mean fruitfulness. So that's why he said we will name it Rehoboth. Why? The Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in this land. 
What was under the control of Isaac? You remember this picture that we showed to you last week? There is a bigger universe of things and incidents that are outside our control. There is a smaller circle of things that are within our control. And that's why we, you and I, should focus only on the things that are within our control. But many times, because we are human and we forget, many times we want to focus on the things outside our control. But pastor, you do not know my husband. Yeah, I may not know your husband, but you are in control of your response. When we did the love and respect, those of you who do that series, what is it? Your response is your responsibility. I am to fulfill my role as a husband. My wife is, her, is supposed to fulfill her role as a wife. I should do my role regardless of whether my wife does her role or not. Because my response is my responsibility. It is within my control to respond to her as Christ would have me respond to her and vice versa. Okay? Wake up the person beside you. Wake up, wake up. Your response is your responsibility. So review, he moved away. He dug a well. That dwell was not quarreled over. He called it Rehoboth. Good and spacious, fruitful, right? Now, is there still a threat that the Philistines might again come to you and, oi, that's ours. Is there? Could be. Let's see what happened. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. The Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not, do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Who was with Isaac? God. Didn't God already tell him in the previous verses? Even in the previous chapters? That God, as God was with his servant Abraham, he was going to be with Isaac. But what did God do? He reminded Isaac, I am with you. I am the one who is going to bless you. I am the one who is going to multiply you. Isn't this the same promise that God gave to his father Abraham? Yes. And basically, what is God trying to remind Isaac of? Our assurances come from God through his word. People will give you promises. Is it validated in the word of God? You have to look for yourself. That's why we encourage you. When you have your small group meetings, bring your Bible. When you come to service, even if it's there on the screen, bring your Bible. Why? Because your faith should be anchored on God and His Word. If what we preach here is not within God's Word, what, is, what, what good is it that we teach you something that is not from God's Word? God reminded Isaac, I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants. Why? For the sake of my servant Abraham. Why? Because God promised Abraham, you will be a father of a great nation. All nations will be blessed through you and through your seed. All nations will be blessed. So Abraham became a blessing to his son Isaac. And God is now blessing his son. You remember this? God's triangle of blessing. It begins with what? With God and His Word. And if you believe, believe God and you believe by faith, what will it translate to? To obedience. Because if you don't believe, you won't act. You can read your Bible, you can pray, but unless you do something about it, I submit to you, you have not really believed what the Bible is telling you to do. But once you begin to obey, you will see. Isaac obeyed. 
he stayed. In the midst of the famine, he stayed and he was blessed. But in the midst of his blessing, people thought him to envy him. People thought of him as a threat. Get away. Okay, I move. You don't want me here? Fine. I'll move. You know what? Have you, those of you who know, you know the new building of CCF, right? You know that it's only in almost 30 years before CCF was able to put up that building. Do you know that that is not the original site of the building? The original site of the building is behind the Asian Development Bank. There were a lot of open parking spaces there. And CCF had already signed and made a down payment of one for, the, for the property behind that. It's one hectare. All right? In acres, I don't know the computation. However, there was a small church, not really small, but there was a church close by who called our leaders, our elders to a meeting and basically complained. We don't want you beside us because you might get our people. This, this is true. Pastor Danny was in that meeting and he can validate it for you. You can ask him. And the leadership said, but how about the church that is across the street from you? Why are you not asking them to move? Why are you just asking us to move? Well, they're different. Obedience does not guarantee the absence of strife. Some people think that when the hand of God is blessing you, that you are a threat. So we went back to the owners, and this is what God had done. He gave us a bigger property for half of the original cost. The property that we originally bought was one hectare for 1.2 billion pesos. Okay? The property that we now own is 2.3 hectares worth 700 million pesos. Did we get the better deal? Was God with us? Why? Because we did not contend with them. All we just went, the leadership just went back to the owners and said, you know, we know we have already signed the agreement, we have already made the pay down payment, but our neighbors don't want us there. Can you do something? And they did. Because God moved. God, you move by faith, and if you really believe, you will obey. So Isaac left, he went to Gerar, he dug a well, somebody else claimed it, okay, no problem. I dig another well, oh, that's also ours, no problem. And then the third well, there was no dispute. So how did Isaac respond? So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. What did he do? He worshipped God. You know, it's my prayer that when we encounter God through his word, we respond in worship. Many of you know that our brother Adrian and our sister Doki, they lost their baby, right? But when I visit, that's why I left right away last Sunday. I visited with them. We did a lot of crying, of course. But then Doki shared with me, said, Pastor, God reminded me of Psalm 139. All the days I have ordained for you, as yet none have come to pass. So she said, you know, those few hours from 8.30 in the evening till about 11 o'clock the next morning, those were the ordained time for our daughter, Hannah. It's not like God got surprised 
God was taken aback. That was the ordained time. So you can still worship God in the midst of trials, tribulations, and uncertainties. So I just encouraged them. I said, grieve. You have to grieve because you have suffered a loss. But grieve as those who have hope. Because there are a lot of people out there who have no hope. And when such a tragedy happens to them, they lose it. They abandon everything. And they blame God. Isaac could have easily complained to God, right? But God did this. this, this we dug this well. This is ours. God, I'm already obeying you. Why is all this happening? But Isaac obeyed. And what did he do? He built an altar. He worshipped the Lord. And when he responded in worship, then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor Ahuzath and Fikol, the commander of his army. You're Isaac. First, I get out. I dig a well. You claim it to be yours. I give it up. I dig another well. You again claim it to be yours. I give it up to you. Third well. Okay. Okay. And then King Abimelech comes with you, with his commander. What is the possibility? What might happen? Huh? Trouble. Oh, the king is here. Not only the king is here, he is with his advisor and he's with his commander of the army. Oh, oh. Now what's going to happen? This could be trouble. What happens? Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and you have sent me away from you? You asked me to leave, I left. Why have you come? You hate me so much, you asked me to leave, so I left. What else do I need to do? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there now be a note between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. Why did Abimelech go to Isaac? To wage war? To make peace. And why did Abimelech want to make peace? Because these, they have seen that the Lord was with Isaac. When people see you, when people see me, do they see that the Lord is with us? I pray that the people around us will see this to be true in us and they will say, I see that the Lord is with you. I see that the Lord has blessed you. He is with you. Let us make a covenant with you that you, will not do, that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. Now you are blessed of the Lord. Who was blessed of the Lord? Isaac. God's blessing upon Isaac was so obvious that even the pagan king Abimelech observed it. God can touch the life of someone who does not believe in him through your example. He did not contend with them. He stepped back. He followed God no matter what. And he worshipped God despite the odds. And again, God moved. We've come to make peace. Why? We have seen that you are blessed of God. He says, you are now the blessed of the Lord. Do you remember when I shared with you from Genesis 25? When Abraham died, 
who blessed Isaac. Was it Abraham who blessed Isaac? 25 verse 11 says, The Lord blessed Isaac. It is the Lord who blesses. The Lord blessed Isaac. And the people, the pagans who were around him, noticed this. What if? Go away. Why will we go away? How many men do you have? How many men do I have? Oh. Oh, sige, I'll go away. I dig a well. There's water. That's our well. Who told you? What's the name of the well? Sige nga. Okay, we go. We go to this other place. We dig another well. There's another. And then now, it's, you're saying it's yours again? Ah, uh, no. Move. Okay, we'll stay here. Okay, we'll stay here. Okay, this is not contended. We'll name it. Shiba, Rehoboth. Okay? What happened? 1 Peter 2 says, reminds to all of us, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God. In the day of visitation. Abimelech saw that Isaac was blessed of the Lord. That the Lord was with Isaac. You should do that too. Look at this witness now. At the foot of the cross of Jesus. The one who put them there. One of the Roman centurions. When the centurion who was standing in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, what did he say? Truly, this man was the Son of God. Why? He kept quiet. He did not rebuke them. He did not fight. He went to the cross to carry your sin and my sin. And the evidence through the example of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross touched the centurion. He confessed, truly, this man is the Son of God. How do we respond? How do we react to the people around us? Spiritual maturity is your conscious decision to be Christ-like in the midst of problems. To be in the midst of stressful situations. So they made a pact, they made a covenant, they made a feast, they ate and drank. In the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. They departed from him in peace. They did not quarrel about the, the well anymore. Now when they had had this covenant, when, when uh, Abimelech left and they had peace, what did God do? It came about on the same day. You see? On the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, We have found water. God is seldom early, but he is never late. God's timetable is different from ours. That's why we must patiently wait for Him. We should respond in faith. We should respond in meekness. Just at the right time. On that very same day. What did they do? They found water. And then what? So He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beer Sheba to this day. The name Sheba means the well of oath. Why? Previous to that, they already made an oath. Peace. So when they left, on the same day, they found water. And the city is called Beer Sheba up 
to the day. Why, why is it that we should respond in meekness? Why? The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Are you meek? Maybe that's why the lamb talks that way. Meek. Meek. Christian. <laughs> Have you seen a even video on YouTube or something? You kick the lamb and oh no, the lamb will just move away. You kick him, he just move. Now people around us who do not understand, they say, You're dumb. You're stupid. Why do you allow them to treat you that way? Why do you allow them to do that to you? And if that happens, may I suggest that is an opportunity for you to explain about the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. I wasn't too sure if I was going to share it, but I'll share it. <laughs> I think I shared it with you that part of my work is to interview people and there was, there's, there was this one uh, lady who I was processing her benefits and she said, uh, well, I'm pregnant. I said, okay, give me the uh, pregnancy result and we'll update your case information so that you'll be exempted from certain things. Oh, but uh, Mr. Nolan, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep the baby. I said, ma'am, do you know that we have a safe surrender program? Within 48 hours of your delivery, you can bring to the police station, the fire uh, station, or the hospital, no questions asked. You can just surrender the baby. Well, I'll think about it. She came back, fixed the case. She came back. Uh, I decided to abort the baby. You think God will forgive me? Now, you know, we're not supposed to share about our faith, right? Especially in the office. So I said, you know, ma'am, forgiveness is one thing. Repentance is another. Repentance means that you're decided to make a turnaround. So if you're really repentant, I believe that God will forgive you. But repentance really is a change of mind that translates into a change of action. She got pregnant again. The other day, I was busy doing nothing <laughs> because I finished my work. I finished it early. I go down. And she comes in through the security and she has a baby with her. And I go and I approach her. I said, ma'am, is that the baby? Yes. This is the baby you saved. I said, ma'am, I did not save the baby. You made the decision. Yes, I made the decision. But you know what I mean, right? I say, yes, ma'am. Sometimes you have to take a step of faith and share, no matter how small an idea that you can plant in the heart and mind of a person who may not know Christ. Who knows what God will, will do through you? Don't underestimate the power of your testimony. The meek will inherit the earth. You will be blessed with peace and prosperity. That's why the Lord tells us in Psalm 37, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. When people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't be afraid. God is with you. If something bad is happening to you, don't be afraid. God has a purpose for you. If you feel lost, alone, and abandoned, don't let the devil convince you 
because the word says and we sang about it he will never leave you he will never forsake you just wait patiently for the lord in our human understanding in our human eyes we might think that these people are succeeding in their evil schemes they don't know the big picture our heavenly father knows the big picture so wait patiently for him practice responding in meekness every time the lord is with you but just like obedience is no assurance of the absence of strife obedience does not also guarantee the absence of grief what am i saying when esau was 40 years old he married judith the daughter of biri the hittite and bashmat the daughter of elon the hittite they brought grief to isaac and rebecca remember abraham sent his slave to go to their home and choose a wife for isaac the one who draw water for the camels who was not even her own camel and he brought back rebecca right did esau marry someone from their own people no and what did it bring isaac and rebecca grief it brought isaac and rebecca grief were Isaac obeying the Lord? Yes. But does obedience necessarily assure you of the absence of grief? No. Are you grieving over your family members? Who continue to disobey God? Who continue to reject your offer to share Christ with them? You should grieve over them. For who knows? When their last breath is. I saw a picture on Facebook of my sister. I said, why, why do my, my, my sister have a picture? I didn't realize she already turned 70. 7-0. I'm 50. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Who knows? So I want to make use of my life. Maximize it for the Lord. Avoid grief. So what do I do? I try to train my kids. Because when they're on their own, they will make their own decisions anyway. So I pray that my kids don't give me grief. That they will follow the commandments of the Lord in their lives. Because the best thing that I can do is prepare them and when I have prepared them, to release them. My obedience does not guarantee that I will not experience grief in my life. My obedience to God does not mean that I will not have any conflicts in my life. But I have to make the decision whether I will react to the situation or I will respond in meekness. That's why fathers, do not provoke your children. Do not embitter them. But train them up in the discipline and knowledge of the Lord. Why is it that we should respond in meekness? Why? 1 Peter 2, 21-23 For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. What if Jesus, when was he, while He was being whipped, or when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, summoned all of the legions of his angels and said, away with all of them. Could he have done that? If he did that, would he have died on the cross? If he had not died on the cross, are our sins forgiven? You see, he left us as an example. 
He left us an example that we should follow. Remember, Jesus Christ is our model. The last M of intentional discipleship. The model is Christ. Christ does not tell us to do something that He did not suffer or experience for us first. While being reviled, He reviled them not. But many times, short temper. You know, I'm Irish. I have an Irish temper. I'm already short. I have a short temper pa. Double dead na naman ako. That's why it takes a lot. Okay. Instead of, isha. No. One. Okay. Two. You process. You process so that you're able to respond in meekness. I'm now at least by God's grace. I still need to practice. Uh, Lynette, you know, uh, your statement is very disrespectful. Dati, Hoy! Dignya! Makakalalaki ka! Oh, come on, be honest. Kayo din eh. Kunyari lang kayo eh. You react the same. But if you respond in meekness, when you practice responding in meekness every time, you know, when you hear something, when somebody does something to you because you want to live Christ-like, you want to sh show that Christ is in you, you will respond. You will bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus Christ did this, what, what happened? What is the result? He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross. So that what? So that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Because by his wounds, we are healed. What is this wound? What is this, this disease? This disease is the disease of sin. He died to pay for all of our sins. He left us an example for us to follow. Those of us who proclaim that we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. He gave us that example. And as we declare ourselves to be God's children, I hope we follow his encouragement. He left us as an example. Christ suffered for you to leave us an example. He was reviled. He did not revile in return. They spat him. He, they beat him up. They crucified him on the cross. And what, what could he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there was someone who went to him and said, Father, Will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus looked at the other thief and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, this day you will be in paradise. That's why Jesus Christ gives us an invitation. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The only way that you can experience prime time in your life is to come to Jesus. If you haven't come to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, now is the time before we partake of the bread and the juice. If you're caught in a situation that tempts you to react with all the vile that is in you, to tear down this person who has been accusing you, who has been robbing you of your joy, who has been doing all kinds of you, come to Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. I want to respond as you would respond. I need your help, Lord Jesus. So, before we partake of the bread and the juice to celebrate the Lord's table, 
I would like for us to just look again at this verse. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you come to Jesus? You know, bear your heart, your soul to Jesus and just, Jesus, I want you in my life. I know you have died on the cross to forgive me of my sin. I want you in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Have you come to that point? If you're struggling with something, if you already have Jesus Christ and you're struggling with something, Jesus Christ is asking you, surrender that. Give it to him. Don't give up. Give it up to Jesus. Why? For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. If you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ yet, now might be the time of your salvation. By faith, ask Him to come into your life. And if you want to pray a prayer such as this, then pray it with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus Christ who saves you. In all humility, just say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you and I need you in my life. I acknowledge that only you died on the cross as full payment for all of my sin. And I humbly ask you to come into my life as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. I ask you, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit now living in me, to change me from the inside out, to respond to the people and circumstances around me as you would. Thank you for taking my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. And thank you for the eternal life that you've given me today. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're struggling with giving up control of your life, and you're, you're struggling with how to respond in Christ-likeness towards the people and circumstances around you. Know that God, through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, is more than willing to help you. Let Him mold you. Let Him shape you. Give up your burdens. Give it up to Jesus. And He will carry you and He will carry everything that you're holding. He wants to bless you. Medical issue, financial issue, a relationship issue, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Lay it at His feet. And just say, Lord, I need your help in this or that area, Lord God. I can't do it on my own, but you are more. You are more than able to fix this. You who died and rose from the dead is more than able to fix this, Lord God. You know some people who need salvation? Pray for them now. Lord, I have this relative, my brother, my sister, my uncle, my aunt, my grandparents, my office mate. They need, they need to hear about Jesus. Lord, will you use me? You, will you help me, Lord God, to respond to them in meekness so that like Isaac, Lord God, they will see that we are blessed of the Lord. God, we have before us the elements of the bread and the juice that represent the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you said that when we partake of the Lord's table, it is to commemorate and to celebrate. So Father, this table is for those who have a personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ.
those who are willing to give up all known sin. So if you're one of those, come and get a cup of juice and a piece of bread and wait for the rest of us as we will partake together. Come. Jesus invites us to come to the table of mercy. Eat of the wine and the bread. Come on, people. As we take the piece of bread which represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We read in 1 Peter, he said, He himself bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. The book of Colossians also tells us that because of what Jesus Christ did, all of our sins are forgiven. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking all of our sins upon your body. You were pierced through for our transgressions. You were brought to the Lamb as the Lamb to its shearers. They reviled you, yet you did not revile in return. Yet you continue to entrust yourself to God the Father who judges rightly. Thank you, Jesus, for giving up your body for our sins. Let's partake together. Taking the cup of juice in our hands, let us pray. Father God, your word says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And it is the unblemished and perfect blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that covers our sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for spilling your blood for the remission of our sins. And Lord, it is our prayer that every time we are tempted, we will run away from the temptation knowing that you shed your blood, your precious blood, for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, do not allow any of us to take sin lightly. Do not allow us to play around with sin, Lord God. It is deadly. And it costs the life of your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for our sins. Let's partake together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can learn more about you through your word. We can celebrate the Lord's Supper as a commemoration and celebration of your finished, completed, and perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls. God, I pray for myself, for my brothers and sisters here, and for every Christian around the world, that we would be able to practice responding in meekness every time. For like the example of Isaac, Lord God, who was pushed and pushed and pushed, but didn't push back. Because of his example, the pagan king and his officers noticed, observed, realized that he is blessed of God. Father, may our testimony in word and in deed bring lost souls into your kingdom as we faithfully obey you and entrust our life to you. In humble obedience, in all God's people's hand. Amen and amen.